Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, Josh Pacheco and Hunter Hughes. Westbrook to James at the elbow. James turns. The crowd wants it. James free throw line. James Faye jumper. Good! NBA history in Los Angeles. LeBron James. A record that had stood for almost four decades. Now belongs to the king. 38,000. 389 points and climbing. And with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar here in attendance to pass the baton, LeBron James is the NBA's new all-time scoring king. You never would have thought that. But, you know, the, the, the game changed. You know, LeBron was able to do it because of, you know, he came in out of high school. He had a four-year head start. He had the three-point line. And most of all, he had the durability because the only way you were going to beat Kareem is you, you had to have durability to play at least 18 to 20 years to do that. LeBron is also, among other things, the NBA's all-time leading scorer, the NBA's all-time leading playoff scorer. He's the only player to win finals MVP with three different teams. Made eight consecutive finals appearances. So LeBron James' resume is complete. If you wanted to say, I nominate this person to be the most accomplished player in the history of the game of basketball, you could defend off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. So admittedly, uh, if you've been listening to the show consistently now, this is uh, day four of Off the Bench on ESPN Honolulu. Admittedly, uh, that was uh, that was yesterday's open. Uh, my excuse, Hunter, uh, my excuse was I was only in the studio for maybe like a couple of hours a day. I've been running around today. So um, getting to hear LeBron, the, the, the Mark Kestisher high voice on the LeBron call, I just kind of made the executive decision to say I wanted to hear that again. So, yes, mm. that open is a day old, Hunter, um, but I am going to own it and say I just wanted to hear that again. I mean, it's – I think – We've, we've, we've beaten the dead horse a little bit with this record. Um, but at the same time, I, I think of all records, that one's worth a, a day two replay. So for, for those who might be a little bit slow to sporting news, LeBron broke Kareem's record uh, two nights ago. And uh, if you weren't listening yesterday... I uh, was at Waipuna Sushi whenever the record was broken. Josh was on his way home. Uh, he didn't hear the call because his wife called him. Anyway, that, that was the first hour of our show yesterday. We'll spare you all the details. Welcome to day four on Off the Bench. Oh, uh, thank you, Hunter, for uh, catching catching everybody up That's on right. uh, what they probably didn't really need to know about. Uh uh, it is off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. We also might sound a little bit differently today. Uh, Hunter's in studio, our PAX studios in uh, downtown Honolulu. I am here at Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center for uh, Hawaii and UC San Diego. Uh, coming up tonight, tip off at 7 o'clock, a uh, shorthanded UC San Diego team. But also still getting a little bit back, uh, from my understanding, uh, talking a short time ago to uh, to their sports information director. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that uh, a little bit later on in this show. Uh, we'll talk about the big news in the NBA that came down last night. That's another one of those, uh, where were you when uh, when Kevin Durant was traded to the Phoenix Suns? Were you eating sushi again, Hunter? <laughs> 
Uh, that was early this morning that I got the notification <laughs> on my phone. So a little early. So you were for sleeping for me. Is what you're saying? Uh, yeah, I was enjoying the gentle Manoa uh, mist uh, hitting my window. So uh, yeah, that, that 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 was how I opened this morning. Was news of Durant is now a son. Uh, hard to imagine, but uh, kind of cool in the, the new modern era of social media and seeing players in their new threads even before they've put the jersey on themselves. It's kind of cool to see them in uh, what will be their new uniforms uh, in uh, the, this new modern era of trades in uh, all sports. It's pretty cool what, what they've been able to do. Absolutely. We'll, we'll talk more about that a little bit later on. There's also some breaking news that just came down from uh, college sports. Uh, Oklahoma and Texas will be moving to the SEC a year early. Uh, that was wow. just that, that just came down. The Big 12 has reached an early exit agreement allowing Oklahoma and Texas to join the SEC in 2024, uh, where initially it was reported that they weren't going to get to leave early. It was going to be in 2025. So, uh, there's a lot to digest, um, and we'll do that over the next three hours. we got a lot of time uh, here on this radio program. Uh, it was a rainy day today. Um, spring practice happened today, uh, day three of spring practice. They had uh, Wednesday off. Uh, I got to be there for I mean, a little while. I went from basketball to uh, walkthrough to, uh, to softball, where I got a chance to chat with Bob Coolin. Uh, ahead of uh, tomorrow night's uh, season openers for softball, but uh, you know the the rainy conditions I, I think made well some of it being rainy. Some of it when I was there wasn't so much rain; it was the wind. I mean, the wind was yeah. just really strong today. It's been strong throughout the state. I'm looking outside the uh, the the windows here, concourse level. I see the trees swaying um, you know, right outside here at the Stan Sheriff Center. I mean, it has been just cold and windy. Blistery. Yeah, and in a way, you know, you you always want to kind of control whatever environment you can, but sometimes the elements, um, you know, can create an extra little practice obstacle that can be good to go through now, especially if you're a new player, um, not knowing what the Manoa mist and what the wind can be like. Well, well, here you are. Uh, welcome to the elements that you could potentially feel uh, when you play a night game in Manoa during college football season. Absolutely. It's, you know, it's all in context, though, Josh. A bad day in Hawaii still beats a halfway decent day pretty much anywhere else. Good point. Um, I had a conversation with a Chicago friend earlier today, and we were kind of talking about the the blustery wind going on uh currently out here in hawaii and we were both like hey let's let's keep it all in check just for a second we could be in three feet of snow uh back in chicago uh very thankful to be where we're at right now but uh kind of shifting over to football you're exactly right josh having an understanding of the elements down there on the tc ching uh complex is very vital, I, I would say, to winning on that, uh, in in that venue, because the uh, the wind comes from pretty much the same direction, unless of course we have Kona's. But the traditional trade winds kind of come at that that northeast corner of uh, the end zone, kind of right over the uh, the UH Manoa dorms, and it kind of funnels down onto the field from that angle. And so I had a conversation with a couple of the QBs just to keep in mind on deep throws that are kind of being floated in that direction to put a little extra umph in that direction just to help 
get the ball to where it's supposed to be because the wind will knock that ball down in the air sometimes. I know you've talked about it, and I heard uh, Rob Tabello and Kanoa Leahy talk earlier today uh, you know about, again, lack of drops, um, which is a good sign offensively. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the way he put it, and, and maybe you can refresh my memory on it, is that lack of drops means guys are are guys are running routes that are getting themselves open for a quarterback to throw them the football. Is that is that a, as accurate as you could call it? Yeah, and it it means the quarterback's throwing the ball where it's supposed to go. <laughs> um, I, I know that might sound obvious, but the only way the receiver can catch it is if the ball has been thrown to him or at least in a catchable position. So it's not just them running the right routes, but the quarterbacks are really taking on this new run and shoot. Um, steep learning curve kind of in stride. It, it's very, very encouraging to see just in uh, a short amount of time that they're able to, at least from a practice perspective, handle their business. Yeah, absolutely. It is uh, off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 14.20 AM. Hunter Hughes, uh, Josh Pacheco. It, let's let's talk a little bit more about... Um, Actually, I, I'm going to go to a, a tweet I just saw uh, from uh, special teams coach, uh, Coach Sheffield. Uh, mm. And, and th- there's, a, there's a player here that has been getting a lot of attention uh, coming in here to the spring. I know uh, you've probably talked about him quite a bit. Cameron Bell, uh, he was named practice three, practice three special teams warrior of the day. Uh, as Coach Sheffield puts up here on Twitter, STP on punt return, hold-up technique, and our punt finish technique. I, I hear special teams. Uh, I hear some of the other things that Cameron Bell can do. He's a DB. So is the sky the limit here for Cam Bell uh, as we go into the year? Because he seems like one of the guys a lot of people have been, been really buzzing about. Yeah, I, I, I think he's going to be someone that we look to not just on the defensive side of the football, but exactly what Coach Chef is is talking about on potentially – Two out of the three sides of the football, uh, it, that's a big part of what makes Hawaii football special. A big part of our history is built into our success in the special teams game. And quite honestly, skill position guys get their best opportunity at the next level for their success on the special teams uh, side of the football Um if you look at Marcus Kemp, you look at Trayvon Henderson, uh, even John Ursua, the all guys that have gotten opportunity at the NFL as of recently, all of those guys had parts to play on their subsequent teams in the NFL for their special teams. So I, I think if guys are coming in and trying to make a statement here at University of Hawaii, they're going to try to get it done on special teams. And it sounds like he's not just doing it in the return game, which he would generally see from cornerbacks but kind of doing it on the punt blocking side of things too so man it's gonna be fun to watch him develop is there anybody else kind of similar to to cam bell that kind of kind of brings you that same feel that you're kind of excited to see develop yeah you know right off the bat we, we've talked about cam stone a little bit the transfer from wyoming he's particularly interesting not just because he played in conference but He's jumping over from a conference opponent to play for us here at Hawaii. From Wyoming, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Coach Timmy Chang uh, has talked to me and Jordan Helle on our uh, Hawaii Football Now podcast about the importance of keeping an open door policy in recruiting. And that's kind of 
going to need to be the way that we kind of play this new era of transfer portal, name, image, and likeness, this new era of college football, keep doors open for guys that might want to come and sample the island a little bit. I mean, let's be honest, Josh. Where do you want to play football? Laramie, Wyoming, or Honolulu, Hawaii? You know? Yeah, I, I would. I would obviously answer Honolulu, Hawaii. Although, in in all honesty, I've never been to Laramie, Wyoming. Uh, but I'll You're, still take Honolulu any day. I have been there. Honolulu, Hawaii is the answer. <laughs> okay. Um, and I think we're going to start to see that with guys that have uh, maybe played elsewhere. Um, <laughs> Tanner saying we've had this argument before. We um, have. We he's. And, and I, I think, remind me, Tanner, I was one to not knock Laramie, Wyoming, just because I have not been to Laramie, Wyoming. And, and you know, unlike um, some built of my food choices, yeah, unlike some of my, my food habits, um, in, when it comes to travel, I'm probably in the don't knock it until you try it category. Okay. So I hear people knocking Laramie, Wyoming, but it's like I've never been there, so I can't really knock Laramie, Wyoming before ever going there because I feel like it's a very unfair thing to do. Uh, but you've been there, so you can. The mountains are pretty, but uh, it's about as blistering as blistering can get. Okay. Yeah. The reason why Josh Allen is tough is because of his years spent at Wyoming. Um, but I, I digress. We're excited about having a conference opponent choose to jump over and play with us. Usually it's the other way around. People are leaving Hawaii to go elsewhere in the Mountain West. So that is a very good sign for us as recruiters, um, for our coaching staff, what they've been able to do. And he's a player that's ready to play right now. I'm, I've got my eyes set on Cam Stone for sure. Did get a question via our text line at 808-296-1420. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that I have a QB uh, on this show uh, that can – probably properly answer this question texter asks how are the transfer qbs doing in practice i mean we the conversation has been about Braden shager and that he is the guy um going into this coming year but have you gotten to notice any of the transfer qbs yeah um the the one that is right off the top of my head is uh dalen morris the he's technically a transfer from navy however he went through the walk-on tryouts earlier in january like and anytime that th there's a, a guy who made the team from walk-on trouts, I've got my, my kind of ears perked up because that, that's exactly how I made the team. And so he is ready to play right now. He is studying to be an attorney. He is uh, a really great young man, um, standing about six foot one with a strong arm and has dual threat capabilities. And so He's kind of one of the um, only guys, he's number 19 if you guys go uh, to practice, kind of one of the only guys out there that adds a little bit of versatility with his legs from this quarterback crew that, for the most part, are a bunch of pocket passer guys. But that works for the run and shoot. But it just adds a little bit more versatility for Coach um, uh, Shoemaker and Coach Chang to work with. Off the bench, ESPN Honolulu, that's Hunter Hughes. I'm Josh Pacheco. Uh, coming up, I do want to get to uh, what was just broken down here, Texas and Oklahoma heading to the uh, to the SEC one year early, 2024. I, I want your, your perspective of uh, where this leaves Texas and Oklahoma when they get to the SEC. Like mm. when, you, when you look at them entering that conference, where do you see them entering that conference? Do you see them entering it like uh, Alabama-Georgia level? And I'm talking football. I'm not yeah. really talking about basketball. Do you see them entering that Alabama-Georgia level? Do you see them entering that uh, that, that Ole Miss, 
Ole Miss level? Do you yeah. see them entering that like Missouri Vanderbilt level? Uh, we'll talk about that coming up on the other side. It is off the bench, ESPN Honolulu. Hunter Hughes is in our studios in downtown Honolulu. I'm Josh Pacheco. It is off the bench. ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Right now, our M. Dyer Global scoreboard, which is brought to you by M. Dyer Global, moving Hawaii into the future. Uh, We'll start in the NBA, 12 minutes to go third quarter. Orlando 65-55 lead on Denver. Uh, 6.40 to go in the second. Atlanta leading Phoenix 44-28. And Chicago's up on Brooklyn 40-38. I can't tell you who's on the Brooklyn team at this point uh 443 to go in the second quarter Bulls are up by two in that game uh college basketball 1148 to go in the second half over on ESPN2 number one Purdue's got a 16 point lead on Iowa 62 to 46 and uh we got soccer going on the uh Motivate Foundation Hawaii High School Athletic Association Division Two uh boys soccer championships they're in the quarterfinal round today uh, winners include Kamehameha Hawaii over Waialua, 3-1. Pac-5, 2-1 over Hawaii Prep. Uh, Island School over McKinley, 8-0. And uh, Seabury Hall blanks Roosevelt, 2-0. Uh, of the matches going on, number two, Kalani is up on Baldwin, 2-0. A couple of goals early. That's in the first. Waiakea, Iolani, King, Kekaulike, Mililani, and Punahou Hilo all scoreless in the first half. That's your M. Dyer Global scoreboard. M. Dyer Global Always on the move. All right, Hunter, we, uh, we we talked a moment ago about the developing news out of college football that the uh, 2024 college football year is going to be really interesting. The Big Ten is going to look different in 2024 with the addition of, uh, of USC and UCLA, I believe Big it is. Time. And then uh, the college football playoff is going to expand to 12 teams in the 2024 season. And now we're going to have Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, joining the SEC in 2024, jumping a year early. Their their exit fee, I believe, is $100 million, uh, according to the Big 12. And uh, once Texas and Oklahoma get into the SEC, they're not going to get uh, a full share of the SEC money. And it is a lot of it that goes to those different schools. But I, I ask you, Hunter, um, when Texas and Oklahoma enter that league, and I'm looking at football, I'm not looking at basketball and baseball, but when I look at football, where do you see them jumping in immediately in that league? Do you see them jumping in at that Alabama, Georgia level, that upper echelon team level? Or do you see them jumping in where, like, Ole Miss is or where uh, Mississippi State is or where uh, Vanderbilt is? Where, where do you see them entering? Because the Big 12 and the SEC are two very different animals. Very much, and you're exactly right. This is a football decision. Even though all of their teams will go with them into the SEC, this is – one million percent of football uh, slated argument right here. And yeah, Tanner put it up on the, the screen that, that they're kind of a middle tier team in my mind, just like Florida, just like Ole Miss. Ole Miss is on the up right now with Lane Kiffin being there. Um, I'd even put Texas A&M in that mid tier, even though they spend a ton on recruiting and they end up every year getting a preseason top 10 uh, seeding, I do not put them 
right at the, the, the cream of the crop with the Alabamas, with the LSUs, with the uh, Georgias right off the bat because they just haven't recruited in that conference. Um, and, and they haven't played an SEC schedule just yet. They, they play a completely different grade of football there. Um, the, it's no um, surprise or it, it's no secret, I should say, that the, the Big 12 does not play a whole lot of defense. Those are extremely high-scoring games, and that's not the case in the, the SEC. They, they play a trenches-first style of football down there, and it's going to be really interesting. Now, I want to back all of that up with, with one, uh, I should say, two key things for both of those teams. Both those okay. teams are kind of in a regrouping, not quite a, um, a re imagining of their teams, but they've got a brand new coach at OU with Venables trying to recreate a, a whole system, a, no, a new team organization there after um, uh, what's-his-name went over to USC. And then you look Lincoln at... Te- Riley. Lincoln Riley, thank you. And then you look at Texas. Texas is bringing in um, Archie Manning. And so he will be a sophomore by the time they jump into the SEC next season and will... I see them going on all cylinders at that point. And so it's going to be interesting to see if they can create the chemistry and the flow required to win in the SEC, but I'd be shocked if they have much success in their first season. Yeah, Manning going there is going to be kind of interesting. Um, Texter from the 2-3-3. Uh, I see Texas and Oklahoma becoming like a Florida-Kentucky-type level, which, mm-hmm. by the way, Kentucky very different here recently because Kentucky's like, uh, well, we're kind of flirting with success, but then we kind of fall back to being Kentucky. Same, same uh, with A&M. For- <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Florida, we we flirt with success because we were successful for a while, but we can't get back to the uh, Tim Tebow level of uh, of what Florida used to be. You know, I, I think what will be interesting is that it, I think if anything, yeah, I don't see them at the, the Alabama level, but at least that mid-tier of SEC football is going to be more fun to watch. Yep. Uh, as you know, it's it's hard to watch Missouri play Vanderbilt on a on a near yearly level. That's uh, that's unwatchable programming for the SEC network. Uh, mm. Sports Center on the way. There is some expansion news I want to talk about that could relate to the Mountain West and the Pac-12. That's coming up after Sports Center. Off the bench, ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 14.20 AM. Hunter Hughes in our studios in downtown Honolulu. Me, Josh Pacheco at Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center preparing for uh, Hawaii and UC San Diego. Uh, more on that game coming up a little bit later on. I should also kind of set the table for, for what's coming up, Hunter, because uh, this is a busy afternoon. Um, you've got the NFL Honors Award Show starting at 4. Um, we'll learn who the NFL MVP is. We will learn um, the Hall of Fame class uh, for um, for 2023 that will be enshrined in Canton in August. We'll learn who that class is. We know the finalists, so we'll see who uh, who will get some gold jackets tonight. Uh, we'll learn the uh, Walter Payton Man of the Year Award winner and uh, so much more. This has become kind of the yearly award show, um, the feel-good yearly award show. Uh, I believe it's live on NFL Network coming up at uh, at 4 o'clock, and I think it's on tape delay on uh, on NBC tonight. So uh, we'll kind of track that to see who is the uh, the MVP. I'm going to just 
spontaneously throw this at you, uh, Hunter, and we can talk about it a little bit later on when we find out. If you had to name an MVP in the NFL this year, who would it be? Mahomes. Okay. I I don't think the other guys on that list put near the body of work or are in the big game. Um, it, it, is Hertz a, a finalist? To me, he should be. I, I think um, he should be. I don't know if he is, though. I was gonna name. I was gonna say Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Um, okay. And and both have have dealt with injuries um, at a at a period of time over the course of the year. But um, what Jalen Hurts has done, I, I think, has been just remarkable. Twenty two touchdowns, six interceptions this year. We can talk about it a little bit more later on. Mm. Um, and and I think it's no surprise we're we're both also talking about quarterbacks yes. um, coming in here. But uh, I mean, I I get it. The, the numbers for Mahomes are much better, uh, passing touchdown-wise, uh, double the interceptions, but at the same time, uh, I feel like Hurts has been a little more steady. But uh, we'll get into that conversation a little bit later on here on Off the Bench. We were talking uh, last segment about uh, the breaking news that came down right as we started the show. Texas and Oklahoma will be leaving the Big 12 early by a year. Uh, they'll be joining the SEC in 2024. Um so college alignment, realignment, we knew that was going to happen. We just didn't know it was going to happen a year early. Um, but we're now once again looking at potential dominoes. Um, the Mountain West, which Hawaii plays football in, is one of those conferences that is back in the spotlight because uh, San Diego State has been seemingly courted for months. Um uh, They've been visited by the Pac-12's Commissioner George Klybakov, who was also at SMU's basketball game last night. Mm. Of course, SMU being in Texas. The recent reporting, I think, from the San Jose Mercury News is that it seems like it is more so of a given that the Pac-12 wants to stay at 12 teams, which means if they want to stay at 12 teams, they have to add two more. Um, and the one that seems to be a slam dunk to almost everybody you talk to around that conference is San Diego State. Uh, with their new arena, uh, they would become the closest thing to Southern California, That's right. uh, being an hour away from Los Angeles uh, with USC and UCLA leaving. Um, I'll, I'll ask you, I mean, San Diego State hasn't necessarily been football-wise the most consistent winner, um, but from the Mountain West perspective, how much of a loss would San Diego State be if that ever does come to fruition? I mean, from a Hawaii uh, perspective, that's really good news for us. We we haven't exactly played against San Diego State very well. Uh, from a conference level, that that does hurt us a little bit. I think they are definitely on the upper echelon of teams in our conference. They have always, I've I felt even as a player, they conducted themselves in a very professional and um just very admirable way in the way that they played very few times were they chippy rocky long is a widely respected and admired coach there's there's something about that school and the way that they go about their business and so i i'm happy for them if they do get the the um the look to jump up but uh it kind of leaves me as a, a hawaii alumni and fan wondering well you know where does that leave us, and where does that leave Mountain West? So yeah. it's it's just kind of one of the the bummer things of where college football is kind of going right now. 
And of course, um, you know, Brady Hoke now uh, coaching at San Diego State. Rocky Long left that program. He's a defensive coordinator elsewhere, I believe. Um, I, I think the thing with San Diego State, and, and the other thing, and Tanner made a good point just to me a moment ago, that we get into travel partners now um, in, in the Mountain West. We got rid of divisions starting in 2023 that it's now you have two consistent teams that you will play against for the next several years, and San Diego State's actually one of them, uh, San Diego State and UNLV. And I, I know Hawaii fought for UNLV, and I think they fought for San Diego State as well. Uh, there's a good proximity. Those games have felt kind of rivalry-like in a way, how, how close and how competitive that they have been. If you're Hawaii, you if this happens, um, mm. I would imagine it could happen 2024, maybe 2025. Um, money will dictate that. Television partners may dictate that because television was part of the reason why Texas and Oklahoma were able to leave early. Uh, Fox and ESPN had to sign off on that. Um, there, there is a consistent travel partner right there, uh, or not yeah. travel partner, but but opponent there in in San Diego State, and it's not just you know. Hawaii going there to San Diego State, but you kind of felt like San Diego State was a good opponent to bring here uh, to to play against and, and bring in a good crowd because you knew the games were good, and you kind of missed that. Um, and then you'd have to kind of figure, okay, well, well, what does that do to that travel opponent scenario going forward if you lose San Diego State? Who do you, who ultimately jumps in there? Does that change that plan? But I, I think there's that direct effect for Hawaii is that's the team you're you're, you know, one of your few consistent teams. You know, you're going to play every year. Totally, and th- there's a huge Polynesian community in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we could quite name them our our sister city or anything like that. I'm not going to go that far, but they were definitely a team that regularly we we saw every year. They were on the west side of the Mountain West and one of our more consistent opponents. Um, just shy of being a rivalry game. I, I don't know if it ever quite reached that for us, but uh, you're exactly right, Josh. It's it's going to be a blow for sure if they do end up going to the Pac-12. Yeah, I don't I don't know I don't know about rivalry game. I think it I think it's the closest opponent in conference to a rivalry without being a rivalry. Like I, I feel like um, you know UNLV is the obvious one. Uh, because uh, that Ninth Island showdown, and frankly, UNLV and Hawaii have had some very close, sometimes very frustrating games against one another uh, here in the last couple of years. Um, Fresno obviously is one, but I, th- I think that was the the one that that shocked us when they announced the 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 common opponents for the next few years, and that it was San Diego State, not Fresno State, because I, I would imagine you you probably could answer this one better. You probably felt like there was a, a you know, a more competitive, more rivalry-like feel against Fresno than maybe against San Diego State, or was it very different in the locker room? Yeah, oh, we do not like Fresno, and Fresno mm-hmm. does not like us. <laughs> that is, that is uh, no secret there. And same, same when it comes to BYU, we we're not a big fan of those guys. Um, but there was never any. There was never any uh, boiling water with with San Diego State. It was, we want to beat them, they want to beat us, but that's kind of where it stopped. And a, a ton of guys from Hawaii got opportunity to play in San Diego State. I mean, even my, my teammate Stephen Lakalaka, two of his brothers went on to play at San Diego State. Mm-hmm. And so in some ways, 
we've kind of just naturally kept things very cordial between our our team and and San Diego State. Um, uh, this this might be you know con- conjecture, Josh, but uh, conjecture away. All right, if they can give this look to San Diego State, it really does make one dream, hope, wonder. If we put a few winning team or winning seasons together, won a couple conference championships, obviously upped our new Aloha Stadium to what it could be and raised Hawaii to what all of us have dreamed what it could once be, could a conference like the Pac-12 one day give us a call? No. No. I, 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 I don't see that ever happening. Josh is um, a killer of dreams. It, <laughs> I, I, I've been pretty firm <laughs> on this over – over the last few years. And, you know, I, I look at the current climate of things right now, too, and I see a couple of other things that you know, that I haven't talked about that I think also kind of keep this whole this whole thing from happening. I'll, I'll, I'll start with one. Um, there is no legalized sports gambling here, and um, I know we've had this conversation. Actually, you and I haven't had it. Mm. Uh, I've had it on the previous show, but um, that Jordan, legislation. Jordan and I on Hawaii Football Now have talked about that, too. That legislation died yesterday. Uh, they had testimony. They had like a, a representative, I think, from DraftKings. They had people for and against it. And ultimately, uh, I, I think it was one of the senators who said, we know we don't have support in the House. And so they effectively killed it. It's not going to come back um, you know, to the table this year. Maybe it comes back next year, but it's certainly not going to be there now. Um I have said I, I am I am on board for a you know legalized sports betting um, as long as it's done right. But I, I recall you know watching the news last night and the way they um, they put it out. And one of those things is um, you know they couldn't get the numbers straight. Like they thought, okay, maybe it brings in seven million dollars, but they couldn't you know figure that out accurately. Mm. Um, and then they couldn't, you know, there, there's still the conversation about, you know, the the negative effects of it. That can be talked about at a later date. But all of these conferences are getting into sports betting and sports gambling. And I think the Pac-12 has their own. The Pac-12 has their conference championship in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. A lot of these power conferences have, um, you know, these partnerships with the MGMs and the DraftKings and the FanDuels because it's not a taboo thing like it used to be. And I cannot see it. And granted, I, I understand California is also a state where where sports gambling is is not legal. However, um, you've got the tribal casinos in portions of California mm. that kind of you know get around it. So and the Tahoe I, I, Nevada line, right? Uh huh. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I have a I have a hard time believing that. A conference would welcome in a, a member from a state that doesn't you know, doesn't recognize sports gambling. So I'll start there. Um, the second one is uh, I, I'm looking at how this state is marketed, and I'm going off the sports end here for a moment. But there's you know there's a question about whether the Hawaii Tourism Authority is going to be disbanded, um, whether it could be something else. How they market Hawaii, we care um, so much about marketing we care so much about how the university of hawaii 
is put out there in front of people. And I'm seeing question marks to me about how this state wants to market itself and how uh, you know sports fits into that equation. There are so many question marks about that that it, it really kind of leaves me with an empty feeling there. And then third, um, to what I have talked about before when it comes to Hawaii's place and all of it, travel is expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it is it is difficult. Look, Hawaii's not in a great situation as it is where you have to pay, you have to pay teams in your conference to come down here. So Hawaii's not in a great place as it is. And then you add to the fact that you're looking at a stadium of twenty five to thirty thousand. You're going downhill instead of uphill. And mm-hmm. I I will reiterate what I said before, Hunter, is that if we had a we had a fifty thousand seat stadium that would that would have the Pro Bowl every year. We had um, we had a jewel venue, old and aging, but a fifty thousand seat venue that was good enough for the NFL, and that wasn't good enough for a Pac twelve to offer anything then. Mm. So if it wasn't good enough then, true. why would anything new change that? And a former Pac twelve coach when we had Norm Chow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's the thing. We'll, we'll, we'll hit break here, and we'll, we'll finish our thoughts on this. But I, I think that's – it's not necessarily just about how many wins you have. Um, it's not necessarily about whether you are successful on the field. That A lot of it is truly um, political. A lot of it is just kind of – I think Hawaii's isolation doesn't help. And I and I think that creates a lot of challenges. So um, I, I I don't I don't mean to be the dream crusher. Um, <laughs> no, I but just I, like I, new crap. I I know you do, um, and that's good. But I also see at the same time that there are just a lot of things that really just don't work in Hawaii's favor, and unfortunately, a lot of them have nothing to do with the university. And as I see some of the things popping up in the last couple of days, even worse, uh, that really does not help. Uh, Josh Pacheco, Hunter Hughes, it's off the bench, ESPN Honolulu. Sports Center update is in uh, just less than 10 minutes here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. By the way, uh, heads up, guys. Valentine's Day is on Tuesday. Uh, don't forget that. And uh, we important. here at ESPN Honolulu, it is. Uh, we've got our Valentine's giveaway presented by Hawaii Dental Service. We're giving away a prize every day until Valentine's Day. And today, we're giving away a $150 gift card to Moku Kitchen. Ooh. Yeah. That's uh, a good that night is... at Moku, man. That'll oh. go. That'll go a little ways. It will. Uh, there's some great food there. Visit our Instagram at ESPN Honolulu for your chance to win. Um, I, I I know I, I crushed your dreams a little bit on uh, on Hawaii in the Pac-12. I did want to finish one thought and and, and let yeah. you jump back in here on this. You know the stadium thing, um, and there there are multiple layers. One of them being um, if you couldn't get an invite with 50,000 uh, at, at Aloha Stadium, why would you get an invite for a 25 to 30,000 new one um, that won't attract the NFL? But the other one is, I, I think back to Craig Thompson, now former commissioner of the Mountain West, and Craig had been such a champion of uh, of Hawaii's, and I, I don't discount the fact that I think his, you know, Gloria Navarez, who is uh, the Mountain West's new commissioner, would be the same. Um. But I remember how much he was thrilled when he heard that uh, the state was pouring in money into the stadium. Um, you know, he was vocally happy about that. Um, I don't recall him saying anything 
uh, as as the plan had kind of stalled and, and, and sputtered here and there. But um, I cannot imagine, because, I, like I said earlier, a lot of things are very political, right? Mm-hmm. I, I cannot imagine a conference commissioner looking at, at a school's overall resume and looking at the political climate of what's around that school because it is a state institution and looking at, oh, stadium uh, looks kind of murky. Looks like this has been kind of shelved for a little while and it doesn't seem like it's got a clear vision to the future. Huh, there leaves a lot of question marks. And to no fault of Hawaii, uh, to the university, to no fault of its president and director of athletics, but the toxicity around the stadium conversation is one that I think it, it, it kind of makes everybody just kind of like back away. Because mm. do you really want to be involved or anywhere near that? And the answer is probably no. Yeah, it's you, – you're, you're tapping on a few things here, Josh. It's a complex issue. Um, you know, you mentioned something earlier in the conversation I kind of want to bring it back to, and it was actually the, the sports betting side of things. Um, we, uh, we we had a guest on our show uh, for Hawaii Football Now uh, from the uh, – I think it was Nevada Gaming Authority, actually, uh, just talking about the unique placement of Hawaii games on the schedule of uh, of bet of uh, of a betting day, and so a lot of times guys will try to hedge their bets with the Hawaii football game because it's the last one on the schedule, and the reason I'm bringing that up is it actually does pose a little bit of a strategic nature for Hawaii in that it is the last game on the schedule. Um, obviously, that, that brings in a whole other mess of um, things that need to be figured out where we would even be welcome into a, a major Power 5 conference. But it is unique that our positioning, that in and of itself allows us to have the eyes of the nation kind of on us in some aspects. I know that might be a stretch, but we're the last game on the schedule. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, think about this, though. You join another conference, you're going to lose that. Mm. Um, Hawaii is fortunate with the television deal it has. Um, they would with, bump up the with, time? Is that what you're saying? Oh, yeah. You know, uh, television windows, um, you know, networks – fit their games into television windows. And there are some very generic and normal windows. Your noon Eastern, your 3.30 Eastern, mm-hmm. um, your 7.30 Eastern. And then you've kind of got a, a late night window, like a, a 10, 10.30 Eastern. That's been reserved lately for the uh, for the Pac-12. The Mountain West, the Mountain West actually has a rule um, that you can't start a game after, uh, I want to say, like, uh, was it eight local or nine local or something? They, they actually have a rule for that. Um, so they, so games don't start super, super late. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, but you, you get to these power conferences. The thing that, you know, not all of Hawaii's games go on national TV. Eight of them are on, on Spectrum Sports here. And so they can control when a game is on at home. You know you're going to be playing at 6 o'clock at night because um, that's the time designated with Spectrum, and they work with the University of Hawaii to do that. That is either midnight Eastern or it is 11 p.m. Eastern, depending what part of the year it is. At, at some point, I think it's next year, is when we'll stop um, you know, switching the clocks. Um, you get into a conference where you lose that television deal, and you are strictly under the auspices, let's say like the Pac-12, you're strictly under the auspices of ESPN and Fox. That's gone. You're mm. now fitting into those, and, and Pac-12 
12 networks, if that ever still exists, you're now fitting into those windows um, better to be better for their ratings, to be better for you know their viewership. You'll be, you'll be stuck into that noon, 3.30, 7.30, 10, 10, 15, 10, 30 windows because they're going to treat you like everybody else. It's going to be no different. Uh, more coming up. Sports Center's next. Off the bench from, uh, well, play on words, two different benches. Uh, the bench in our downtown Honolulu studios. where split uh, bench. It's <laughs> where Hunter Hughes is in our Paxa studios there. Uh, this bench, which is uh, somewhat padded uh, here in the uh, concourse level at Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center. I'm Josh Pacheco. It's ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Kevin Durant's on a new team. Um, so how much does the narrative change? The betting people say it does uh, when it comes to uh, odds to win the NBA. But does it really? We'll we'll look into that uh, coming up in just a little while. Jerry's been hanging on very patiently at eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty. Jerry, you're on with Hunter and Josh. How are you? Really good. Uh, thanks for having me on. You know, uh, I'm not so sure that we couldn't qualify for the Pac-12. Uh, the deal is not so much stadium size; it's a television deal. And if there was someone in Hawaii or a group in Hawaii that could come up with a creative deal. Uh, that would make it attractive to a Pac-12, particularly if Pac-12 merges with another conference, they form a super conference, and you have the Hawaii end of it that gives you your midnight ESPN uh, coverage, I think they could actually do the deal. I think it really is structuring it as a media deal as opposed to a stadium-sized deal. I think that gives us a real shot. Plus, Hawaii opens up the Asia, uh, I, I, uh, China, Japan, Korea, and Australian markets. It really is a gateway opportunity. So if you look at like 10, 20 years uh, program uh, expansion, I think you have a shot. All right. Uh, Jerry, thank you for calling in. Appreciate I love you listening. It, Jerry. Um, Put Josh in his place. Eh, no, you didn't. Um, <laughs> see, look, the thing is, I, I, we've talked about this before. We keep hearing people bring up, oh, the Asia market. Uh, we, the Asia market does not have an appetite for, for, for college football. Um, maybe our servicemen and women overseas uh, on the Armed Forces Network, or you know, they may have the appetite for it. But the Asia market doesn't have the appetite for it. Mm. Um, remember, college football was taken to Australia for a couple of years. That's not happening anymore. That was two years. Yeah. Uh, Hawaii was in one of those games. That's mm -hmm. not happening anymore. They have their sports that they are very much high on, and you know, are are uh, you know they they rally around baseball's huge there but there is no market for college football there there's so, a, there, there's a point though that he brought up with stadium size if you watched any of the UCLA games at the um uh the Coliseum in LA mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that Coliseum thing, or the Ro no Rose Bowl cuz Coliseum's USC Oh, okay. Well, but your but your point is right. We have seen some empty seats there oh at the Rose Bowl. Oh my goodness. They, they only had like Maybe ten thousand people at those games. Maybe on a good day, and so I I kind of agree with him that it's a little bit more about TV contracts than it is about attendance in stadiums. But it's hard to welcome in a team from across the Pacific. There'd be a lot of moving parts there that I don't know if the Big Twelve would be, or sorry, that the Pac Twelve 
would be would be open to pursuing? Think on television markets. Um, Hawaii is not a big enough television market. Um, it is not a top ten. I know in in our field, I don't know if the numbers are different. Radio to TV, we're like um, high or high or low sixties. Uh, we are not a top market, uh, and there and 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 there are what a million plus people who live here. Take away the the non-impressionables under know, the age of twelve or whatever. You guys got to turn on your TVs, okay? okay yeah, you boost so these you're, numbers you're, up. You're you're talking about numbers that are less than a million people. Um, it is not a big market, and and I'll go back to the other thing that that Jerry said. You can't just. You're not going in and negotiating a, a media deal. The conference has the media deal. You're not going in and proposing something different because you have no seat at the table. You have your media deal, and right now the Pac-12 is actually working on theirs. Um, you know, they currently have it with ESPN and Fox. It looks like when the Pac-12 becomes whatever it is in, in 2024, it may be ESPN and Amazon Prime. Um, there may not be another network to it. It could have an ESPN Plus um, component to it, but it may the Pac-12 may be turning into a television slash streaming entity uh, because it does not have the um, uh, the the same boost that uh, that that conference used to. But you don't just go in there and say, "Hey, you know, we we want to be in, we want to help you negotiate a media deal." The media deal is is what binds the conference. In, in fact, I think that's the other thing that we probably should mention as we're seeing. With Texas and Oklahoma leaving the uh, the Big 12 for the SEC, Texas and Oklahoma aren't leaving the Big 12 in the SEC just because they want to leave the Big 12 for the SEC early. They're leaving because television gave them okay to do it. Mm. That television freed it up. That you've got to pay the 100 million dollar um, you know exit, exit fee, fee per school to yep. be do it. But it, it's you know if, if it was up to the Big 12, they'd probably say no. You got to stay. <clears throat> Television saying, eh, it's fine, um, but we're going to have some damages because we're going to lose um, eh, the two biggest names in the conference. So based on losing those damages um, or, 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 or losing those names, I shouldn't say losing those damages, but based on losing those names, that yeah, uh, you're going to have to pay up for us um, to recoup what we would probably lose in ratings and potential sales revenue from that. Yeah. Um, you're basically, and, and I know I, we had a, a, I think Bob Thompson a while ago, who uh, was a former exec at Fox, and and he told us it's it, you know, television does doesn't necessarily tell you, hey, you need to go and get this school, you need to go and get this school, you need to go and get this school, but television will tell you occasionally if you are looking at uh, another university, television will tell you this is what we think about this institution. Um, their market size, what they bring to the table, what do they do for us? And, um, you know, based on market size, based on uh, a, a amount of impressionable viewers, that you, you put that next to whatever would be in California and other places in, uh, uh, in the Pac-12 footprint, it's not close. You can't go in and... and, and um, and argue for something new, it's television that's going to say at the end of the day, um, you want to add Hawaii? That's going to do nothing for us. You're better off finding someone else that's going to bring in more more value. And the other part to it, Hunter, and I know I've kind of like eaten up a lot of this time. I'm just kind of on a tangent here. The other part of it is when you add a school, 
when you're a conference like the Pac-12 mm. that is kind of falling back, you're going to lose UCLA, you're going to use USC. Yep. Any school that you add has to bring value, and that value is monetary because you want to bring in that value that is that monetary value that some of that money is going to stay in the conference, some of that money is going to go to the different schools. That's why they're looking at SMU because SMU is in the state of Texas. And you know that's in that's right around Dallas, right? So that's going to bring some eyeballs because now you're getting into in, into Texas. That's why you're looking at San Diego State because it, it's right, exactly, and that brings some eyeballs and that opens up eyes for 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 a network to say, okay, uh, we think people will watch if San Diego State is playing Arizona State on a Saturday night at uh, 10.30 Eastern, we would put that game. Okay, that's worth to us another 5 to $10 million for you for your contract that can be divvied around to the other schools. You want to add, not break even. Um, and that's the challenge that the Pac-12 has right now. San Diego State and SMU potentially helps you add, not necessarily break even. So unfortunately, there's there's a lot of things that just don't, they don't really work out numbers-wise sure. for Hawaii in that. Now, in terms of the, the Pac-12, I think they are going to get some new eyeballs and potentially a lot of attention with Colorado and Deion Sanders being their coach. Mm-hmm. They, they have, I don't know if you could say like a corner of the market, but SportsCenter puts them individually on all of their things. It, it's amazing the kind of drawn attention that a celebrity coach like that can bring to you're exactly right that the Pac-12 has been in the the the, the bottom half, if not the the bottom of the group of uh, the Power Five conferences, and especially with football, it, it has been that way for a little while now. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see what the uh, the landscape of college football looks like in 2024, and really this next year is about kind of preserving and. Um, reminiscing on a lot of those rivalry games, which unfortunately are going to be lost out in this conference realignment. Yeah. Um, you know, at least in the SEC's case, you know, they keep Texas and Oklahoma as a rivalry That's game. That's true. Red River rivalry will stay. Yep. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to play every year. I don't know how, that's, how that schedule is going to work out. You know, in, in Hawaii's case, in the Mountain West, um, I think your main thing is you, you want to make sure you don't lose UNLV. Because um, that mm. Ninth Island rivalry is such a big one. And I, I have felt like UNLV is kind of on the cusp of being a team that could be approachable by another conference because, because of Las Vegas. Vegas. Yeah. Right. Um, it seems like maybe that might be wrong. I don't hear a lot of people talking about UNLV. Uh, but there is money going into that program. Um, you know, They play at Allegiant Stadium. Um, but more so, it just, uh, that is such an entertainment attraction, and the Pac-12 plays their conference championship game there. It, it, it they play their their men's basketball uh, conference tournament there. Uh, I don't know if it's at Mandalay Bay. I, th- I think it is at Mandalay Bay, but they they play them at, at at one of those uh, resort venues on the Strip. I mean, there so much of that just um, just meshes so well. It's sounding more and more like that's not going to happen. Which is good, and and I firmly believe Hunter that um, the the rest of the schools, and I guess I I'd put Boise in that conversation too because Boise's not as attractive as as it once was. Yeah, I look at the rest of those Mountain West schools, and as long as they all stick together, and you don't have like another like whack exodus like what happened many years ago when the whack split in two, 
that I feel like the conference is okay. Um, you know, Hawaii keeps its rivalry, or its two, with, with Fresno State. I don't think Fresno State's as, as good of a, a, a realignment attraction as maybe it looked like a moment ago um, when the Pac-12 was, was looking out when USC and UCLA first made its announcement. But your, your cream of the crop is still there. If Air Force doesn't go anywhere, you know, that has marketability because they are one of the service academies and that gets you some national attention, you're okay. Yeah. Um, you might want to find another school. I don't know who you would find, but um, you you might be fine with less than uh, less than what you have right now because you don't – I mean, San Diego State's a loss, but you don't lose everything, uh, which, which could be okay. Yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting to see how this thing all kind of shakes out. And uh, if uh, if you guys feel like uh, putting Josh on a tangent, we learned today. <laughs> you were talking about Hawaii uh, joining the Pac-12 because he'll uh, he's got a few thoughts on the subject. Clearly, um, <laughs> n- no, it's it, I I don't I I want to be as optimistic as everybody. Yeah. I, I really do. Um, you know, we 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 cover this program. We follow this pro this program. We share its stories often yep. enough, but I think sometimes um, sometimes we 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 put ourselves in the danger of maybe hyping it to be more than than what it is. And what I mean by that is, you know, it is Hawaii is our professional team. We we care for it. We nurture it. We want to protect it for everything it's got because it is our team. It is, we we want the best for it, and we want to see it reach as far as it can possibly go. At the same time, um, we also know that what we view it as because it is our team and um, how we care about it, how we view it, is very different than how the rest of the country views it. And, um, and and I don't think we, we kind of take that in sometimes. And I think when we when we see that there are people that view us to a, a, a slightly lower level than how we see ourselves, we get really defensive and we, we almost feel like we're attacked mm-hmm. because, well, why don't they look at us like what we think we are? And um, I, I think we get caught up in that sometimes because of our isolation, because how much we care for what we have how much we appreciate and love what we have. And, and, I, and I think this is one of those areas that I think has exposed um, you know, a lot of that. Um, yes, the care. Yes, the, the appreciation. Yes, the, um, the love for this university. But at the same time, where it falls appropriate doesn't necessarily always match. Do you think it could change? Which part? I'm just looking at our ceiling. And I know we probably need to take a break here in a second, but I'm more looking at Hawaii's ceiling as we're in process of looking for a new athletic director right now. We subsequently look at the future of all of our all of our teams, our athletic program in general, and I think I speak for a lot of Hawaii fans out there that kind of want to dream for a good, positive, bright, high ceiling future if that makes sense, where maybe one day um, with the, the, the adding of the 12-team college football playoff, getting another magical season put together like that 07 season, which we would have had this been around back then, we would have been invited into that 12-team playoff. I like to dream that those days are still in front of us. That, that what, that's what gets me excited about our program. Um, 
do I think that could change? I'll put it this way. Um, I, I think people take for granted what we have currently. Mm. I don't think we're in a bad place. Um, Hawaii is in a position where it gets television money from both the networks and from local TV. How many schools can say that? Granted, it's a lower, it, you know, it's not Power Five money, but for a group of five program to be in that position is pretty good. Um, I, I think people take that for granted sometimes when they think, "Oh, we're stuck in the Mountain West." Right now, Hawaii's a, 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 a program in that conference that 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 conference wants. That's a positive. Mm -hmm. Being in the Big West has given some opportunities for Hawaii with, yes, some travel, but you're not also traveling to Ruston, Louisiana, uh, yeah. like the old whack. You know, um, and there and, and LA it, Tech, it is, right? La Tech, yeah. yeah. And, and, it is, and it is competitive to a degree. Um, I, I don't want people to, to take for granted what we currently have because what we currently have is not bad. It is not abysmal. It is not detrimental to Hawaii. Um, what can be detrimental is the politics around us. What can mm -hmm. be detrimental is the lack of action or quick action on a stadium. Here it's locally. those things. That's right. That it's those things that hurt, not necessarily our affiliations. Um, and I and I think it's it's finding the right perspective. I think that's important. Uh, let's check on traffic. Uh, but first, I do want to remind you about ESPN Honolulu's Valentine's giveaway presented by Hawaii Dental Service. We're giving away a prize every day until Valentine's Day. And today's prize is a $150 gift card to Moku Kitchen. Visit our Instagram at ESPN Honolulu uh, to check that out. Traffic right here. It is ESPN Honolulu off the bench. Sports Center update is coming up in just less than five minutes. So not a lot of time here, uh, Hunter. On the other side, we, we've gone an hour and a half, and uh, we've stayed very much largely local, which is you know what a good local sports show should do. Um, but uh, we haven't we haven't gotten into uh, the the big NBA news. It's trade deadline day today, yeah. and last night uh, we saw Kevin Durant now find a new home, which is the Phoenix Suns. We will touch on that coming up a little bit. But uh, going on right now, the NFL Honors Program, it's on NFL Network. And um, we were just talking during the break about the Offensive and Defensive Players of the Year. Offensive Player of the Year, uh, Justin Jefferson from the Minnesota Vikings. The AP Offensive Player of the Year beats out Tyreek Hill, Jalen Hurts, and Patrick Mahomes. The Defensive Player of the Year goes to Nick Bosa of the San Francisco 49ers. Led the, mm. the NFL with 18 and a half sacks, 48 quarterback hits. The thing is that we were we were talking about. It seems like Micah Parsons wasn't really uh, considered for this award. It, it seems I mean we we had just seen the uh, uh, the voting, but it doesn't seem like he was really considered. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, in my mind, I think it's clearly Nick Bosa. Clearly, it it. But when you look at the impact that Micah Parsons has on that Cowboys defense, I mean, he – and it was a down year for uh, – not, not Stephon Diggs, the, uh, his brother. Um, it was a down year for the Cowboys secondary, and so yeah. everything relied on Micah Parsons to kind of create a little bit of production back there. It, to not, he, he didn't even get a vote, Josh. That's pretty crazy. 
a first place vote, I should say. To to be to be clear, um, he was voted for, but not a first place vote. Hassan Reddick got two first place votes. Quinnen Williams got one first place vote. Chris Jones got one first place vote. But apparently, Micah Parsons, without a first place vote, was still in the running um, for that award, like second or third uh, in the running for that. So. Um, I'm 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 surprised he he didn't get a first place vote, but at least he was still in the running. But but Bosa wins that one. We're gonna have more awards coming down over the course of the next hour and a half, and we'll let you know uh, what comes out of uh, NFL honors. But coming up next, new team for Kevin Durant. What does it mean moving forward? That's next off the bench. Off the bench, ESPN Honolulu, Josh Pacheco, Hunter Hughes. It's our final full show of the week. Uh, we're on with you until 4.45 tomorrow. We've got uh, Rainbow Warrior Volleyball, Hawaii at Stanford. Uh, it's a top eight matchup. Hawaii has not lost yet. Stanford ranked uh, eighth in the nation. So that's coming up tomorrow, uh, 4.45. Part of a uh, University of Hawaii sports doubleheader right here because we'll have softball tomorrow night with uh, Hawaii and St. Mary's wrapping up, uh, wrapping up night number one of the softball season. You know, uh, Hunter, we've been planning on getting there, and, and, and granted, we didn't have the same kind of rundown today. It has been uh, just kind of a crazy runaround kind of day, but we we all knew um, before you walked into the studio, before I got here to the University of Hawaii, um, that we were going to touch on uh, Kevin Durant being traded to the Phoenix Suns today. Um, it yeah. happened last night, and I'll be honest, the first the, the first – way I heard about it was uh, I had my phone charging I think in the other room uh, at home and my my Apple watch gave me a Tanner Hayworth text and it was in all capital letters uh, which is uh, which is when I know Tanner is amped and um, it said no not the John Wall text that was earlier today and that was also all in capital letters but uh, oh no this was not in capital letters I beg your pardon it was, in in surprisingly calm Tanner mode, KD to the Suns, question mark, exclamation mark, ex, uh, question mark. And I had not seen my phone. I was watching uh, the state tournament for basketball. So I did. that was the first, first time I had heard about that move happening, and that was, what, 8.07 last night when I got that text? Mm-hmm. Um, pretty late in the night, which usually tells you that's uh, what, 1 a.m. Eastern time. That's when you know you're really, really wanting to get something done when you're willing to lose some sleep over making a a, a trade like that happen. Yeah, but at the same time, on a week-to-week basis, when it's not trade deadline, how much work could these GMs actually have? Maybe a lot. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just saying, if you're not trading anybody... Maybe it's a it's a halfway decent gig. That that that's that 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 that, that's my point there. But this is one of those blockbuster trades, not just for the breaking up officially of the big three of Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden, but does this make the Phoenix Suns potential contenders in the West just with this move? I think I think that that 
potentially does. That, that it's going to be really interesting to watch him, Devin Booker, and Chris Paul see what they can put together on the floor. Yeah, I mean, Vegas now has, I think most places in, in Vegas believe that the Phoenix Suns are uh, not only a contender, that they are the favorite now uh, to win the NBA title. And and frankly, you know, the, the Suns were fifth in the West at 30-26. and 26. I think sometimes we kind of throw the records out. Um, you know, how good do you look when you get closer to um, to the playoffs, which will be in April. We're a couple months away. And I think the Suns were going to be in the conversation anyway. Um, so I, I considered them a contender beforehand. I think now they are a, a clear favorite. And we'll talk more about the Suns um, in a little while. But I mm. think this is this is now an opportunity where um, we can all gather together, wear our nicest clothes, and uh, and 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 head down um, uh, head down to the mortuary. And uh, put to rest the big three. Um, put them, uh, put them nine feet under, six feet under, however far under, and uh, and pay our respects to, frankly, what never was. Um, yeah. A, a big three that had big aspirations of being a contender, a championship contender uh, in the Eastern Conference, and ultimately fell well below those expectations. Kyrie Irving was asked earlier today about why the big three did not work in Brooklyn. This is what Kyrie said earlier. There were some unfortunate circumstances that came up there that were out of my control, whether it be the mandate with the vaccine or missing games being suspended or, you know, just little things that I think put just wrenches in our in our journey. You know, and then we had James and we were supposed to be the super team. Like, I, I think uh, I would like to say something, too, about the super team of me, James and KD that everyone thinks should have worked. Uh, we played very limited time together and there were a lot of injuries and things that took place. And I would have liked to see that work for the long term. But I'm happy that I could look back on that journey and reflect and say I learned a lot of things from those guys and my teammates in Brooklyn and just my journey throughout this. So Kyrie blames really um, other circumstances. He doesn't blame players. Uh, he blames the vaccine. He notice he didn't say um, he didn't say COVID. He blamed the vaccine mandate. He did not blame the actual virus. It mm. was the mandate's problem. Um, let's not get down that slippery slope. Yeah. Um, he blamed the suspension, although he of course would fail to to mention why there was a suspension in the That's first right. place. Um, there were a lot of extenuating circumstances, according to Kyrie Irving. Many of them included him, yes. but of course he won't tell you that. Uh, so when you when you hear him say that, do you do you take a little truth from that? Uh, I don't take a whole lot of truth whenever this guy opens his mouth from from henceforth. He's kind of a sideshow clown at, at this point, and I I really don't have the stomach for anything he wants to say. I love to watch him play basketball, but that's about it. Anything off the court, I kind of tune off. What, tune out whenever I, I hear Kyrie Irving and I, I, I'm looking at a picture right now Josh it's got Kevin Durant Kyrie Irving and James Harden in the picture and I think about sports especially a game like basketball where chemistry and on court relationships are super important to be able to win mm-hmm. who is the leader of those three whenever they're out on the court together who would you say was the leader because Every great team that the big threes in the past had a leader that kind of the other guys fell suit behind. In in Miami, LeBron's the leader. 
if we're looking at the Boston Big Three, would you say that was Garnett or would you say that was Paul Pierce? So it, it was either of those guys. Um, yeah, either, but at least there was there, – at least on, on there was one given night, there was at least one. That's right. <laughs> now, when I look at these three guys, I don't know if any of those guys were the leader. They're out there to play an individual style of basketball, and it worked whenever they were healthy, but they they, they had no team chemistry together because I, I truly believe they didn't know who the leader was, and thus the thing failed. Yeah, um, I, I look at all three. I can't ever think of James Harden anywhere he's gone as someone who's really led. He's nope. just kind of gone and played. Um, Kyrie Irving's always been his own person. Um, Kevin Durant could be the closest thing, I think, to a leader. Close. But I think I, I think Kevin's issue is what does he want to be? He does it with and his play, for sure. I'd agree for, with that. Absolutely. So let, let's take all of that and, and, and bring the bigger question here to the picture. This clearly didn't work. Um, I don't buy for a second that it didn't work because of a mandate and it didn't work because of a suspension. No. So... Who is to blame for why the big three didn't work? That's like asking who your goat is. <laughs> is it that hard? Oh, man. I think in, in this situation, when you look at all of the extra circumstances involved with him particularly, I think a lot of the, the, the fault here has to fall on Kyrie. I don't think a lot of this has to fall on Steve Nash. I definitely don't think a lot of this falls on James Harden. He got traded away kind of earlier in this process. Durant got hurt. Kyrie wasn't really ever hurt. He just chose not to play basketball. True. Um, again, it takes, in this situation, three to tango, normally two to tango. Um, but uh, if I'm going to name one person, if you've... Uh, if you've got a gun to my head, I'm, I'm saying Kyrie Irving. Absolutely. I, uh, I'm going to go a different direction. Okay. I don't think this ever happens if not for Kevin Durant leaving, uh, leaving Golden State. And mm. Kevin Durant deciding that he wanted to, to embark on his own trail. You know, more power to him for, for doing so. Uh, but in doing so, you knew the expectation was Kevin Durant was not going to go to Brooklyn on his own. And he was going to want some powerful names around him. And ultimately, um, you know, it, it, it clearly has not worked out. Um, this is what KD wanted. Kevin Durant is not going to be on a team by himself. Um, you know, he wasn't like the, it wasn't like that in Golden State. He joined that group. I'm not going to open up that, that can of worms conversation. But he wanted to be able to front a powerful group. Not be the um, you know, the sidekick to that powerful group. He wanted to front that group. Mm. And this was his opportunity to do so. In that process, um, it's not all entirely on KD. Yeah, um, Steve Nash, uh, you know, hey, I'm not going to fault Steve Nash for taking the job. I'm going to fault the Brooklyn Nets for, for hiring him. Mm. There were some ownership change, uh, you know, adjustments. Um, you know, they had a Russian owner, I think it was, that he's he's no longer the majority owner of the team. It's Joe Sino. Um But Kevin Durant fronted this. He fronted this. He also had injuries. We forget. They played 16 games together. Those three, 
And part of why there were only 16 games, it wasn't just because of Kyrie. It was because Kevin Durant hasn't been healthy the last couple of years. Yeah. So, um, brittle. You know, I don't. I don't know that. Well, I don't know that I'd go as far as brittle, but he's getting a little older. I don't know that Brooklyn would have gone as far as what they tried to do to be a competitor and a contender in the East if not for Kevin Durant making that decision to leave Golden State to go to Brooklyn and force all the pressure in the world on that franchise to make some very daring moves. I think we could have all seen the writing on the wall. James Harden and Kevin Durant weren't going to work well together. No. I think we we could have seen that. We've seen the way James Harden plays, and it is not complimentary to the, the, the kind of play that Kevin Durant brings you on the floor. We could have seen that writing on the wall, but when you're a franchise that has the pressure of needing to put something around Kevin Durant because you're not going to win a championship with just him, you make some daring, bold moves. That's right. That's a move that... It, it did not work, and I don't think even if you had those three on the floor for more than 16 games, it would have worked. And then, of course, Kyrie coming from Boston and um, all of the Kyrie stuff that went around that. I'm not blaming Kevin for Kyrie. I'm blaming Kevin for um, you know forcing the franchise to be in that position. And then, let's not forget as well, um, the offseason, how the offseason started. Kevin Durant was was talking about trying to get out of Brooklyn and wanting a trade, and Brooklyn was kind of balking at that, and then they all got together, and and Kevin said, okay, fine, I'll stay. And then around that same time, there was, there was problems over Kyrie, whether Kyrie wanted to be there, whether those two were kind of a tandem, um, and, and they all, both ultimately stayed together. Like, I, I don't think we should discount the fact that Kevin and Kyrie are, are kind of more bound to the hip than we think. And in fact, um, and I don't have the bite with me, but Brian Windhorst earlier today made a, a very good point, is, is that watch for Kyrie, because Kyrie's in Dallas right now, but he has been open in saying he wants to be in Phoenix. And guess who's in Phoenix? Kevin Durant. So, you know, they are kind of tied more at the hip than we are all willing uh, to want to believe. So I put this on the guy who kind of led the charge to put the pressure on the organization to make this happen, and I put the blame on Kevin Durant for why this didn't work. Hmm. It's an interesting take. The, um, the, the part with this is, you know, again, when I look at these guys, they've, they each... Harden's never won a championship. The other two, I look at them right now, were they the centerpieces of their teams whenever they did win championships, or were they pieces in already successful teams? Kyrie never won a thing in Cleveland until LeBron came over. Durant already jumped on board a championship-caliber team in Golden State. These guys are hired guns. They aren't willing to go somewhere get their hands dirty, and try to build a winning culture together. It's they're, – they're kind of freelancers trying to, trying to go for championships. The only difference I will make – and we'll, we'll hit a break here in a moment – but the only yeah. difference I would make to that is with Kevin, there was a clear um, element that he brought, right? I mean, he was – you know he 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 was a key cog in one of Golden State's runs. I mean he was a Finals MVP. Yeah. Um, you know he added something to that team that I I don't think we can kind of ignore. So 
there is a there you can you can quantify the value that he brought to Golden State whether you you want to open up those cans of worms of whether um and you know, Kyrie, he, he joined yep. the club hunter i mean he still brought something to that club that was tangible he did and Kyrie hit the winning shot for Cleveland over over Steph, which ultimately gave them the win in that in that series. But I, one shot versus a, a Finals MVP is very different. It is. Uh, we'll check on traffic here. Uh, I see some of your texts. We'll get to those here in a moment at eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty. But I want to remind you. Uh, you don't want to be stuck in traffic, so make sure you find Dixie Grill in IAEA. They've got the best happy hour on the island. 32-ounce Bud Lights or Michelob Ultras, just $6. Jack Daniels and Jameson, 6 bucks. Peel and eat shrimp, buffalo fries, fried crab, stuffed deviled eggs, and calamari. Just some of the favorites you can check out because, of course, life's too short to sit in traffic. So check out Happy Hour at Dixie Grill. Your texts, your calls, and more coming up after we look at traffic. It's ESPN Honolulu. You're off the bench. All right, Sports Center is on the way in uh, just about five minutes. It's off the bench. Hunter Hughes, Josh Pacheco, ESPN, Honolulu at 92.7 FM at 1420 AM. Uh, NFL honors underway right now. And uh, uh, coach of the year, I will say um, a slight upset for me. Uh, Brian Dable of the New York Giants winning mm. coach of the year at NFL honors just a short time ago. I don't know how the voting went down, but this was a year for some pretty good coaches. I um, agree. What what Dan Campbell did in Detroit, we were talking during the commercial break um, um, about uh, Kevin O'Connell from Minnesota. I I honestly I would have thought of uh, Nick Sirianni in Philadelphia mm. and what the Eagles did this year getting to the Super Bowl. I would have given him an NFL uh, even coach Peter, of your consideration. Even Peterson with everything that went down with the Jaguars last year, a complete 180 from uh, from what Urban Meyer left them in. It's uh, But at the same time, yeah, that's that's a terrific job with the New York Giants right there and unquestionably the the strongest conference in football was the NFC East and making it through your first round in the wild card um, to ultimately play um, in in that second round of the playoffs. Very very well done. Hats off to him for sure. Top three, uh, Doug Peterson, as you mentioned, from Jacksonville. Kyle Shanahan. Uh, from the San Francisco 49ers. I feel like we just gave the ultimate disrespect to a guy who took a team to an NFC Championship game with a third-string quarterback and had to play a fourth um, mm. and, and still got there. Uh, Shanahan deserves a lot of credit, and uh, his peers gave him uh, enough votes, but not enough. Brian Dable winning a Sports Center coming up. Aerosmith. Yeah, I, I I thought you might like some of that. I like that. Are you walking we, this way on campus? Uh, I haven't. Have you? No, but I mean, <laughs> this is walk this way. It was, we, it was a we, lame joke. Let's just move on. Uh, <laughs> well, this is this is what happens. Um, you know, this is our fourth show together. Um, you know, I'm not there. You're in studio. I'm here. Uh, sometimes the jokes just don't uh, 
they don't hit the same they when, don't. when you can't see the other person. We're not on um we're not doing what the morning show guys do when they have FaceTime. Um I don't know why we're not doing that, but that's a that's probably another story for another day. <laughs> But, uh, you know, we're, we're going through the power of technology. I am here at Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center. You are in our downtown Honolulu studios. That's Hunter Hughes. I'm Josh Pacheco. We are off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Um, we've been doing a number of things today. Uh, we have been kind of following some of the developing news. Um, we talked a lot early in the show. Texas, Oklahoma leaving the uh, Big 12 for the SEC in 2024. And we kind of turned that into a conversation on the Mountain West, what could happen with San Diego State, and then, you know, the Hawaii's positioning and all of it. So we, we talked a little bit about that. Uh, we got some uh, some spring practice in today. It was wet. It was windy uh, there at the Clarence T.C. Ching Athletics Complex this morning. We spent a little bit of time on the, uh, on the Brooklyn Nets, and we've been watching NFL honors. Uh, Geno Smith, comeback player of the year. Uh, the uh, Seahawks quarterback beating out Saquon Barkley of the uh, New York Giants and Christian McCaffrey of the San Francisco 49ers, formerly the Carolina Panthers. Uh, we know we've got MVP coming up. We know we've got uh, we've got Coach of the Year already. Those Brian Dable just announced a few moments ago. We know the Hall of Fame class is going to be announced here in the next hour as well during the NFL Honors. So uh, there is there is plenty. This is. Um, this has been a good experiment for us. We've we've largely hunter kind of gone through the first three days, and we've gone through a little bit of a script, and then we've kind of just been able to work off the script and and uh, you know move things around here and there and kind of react where necessary. This is truly the day where you've got so many things happening around us that we've just riffed for two plus hours um, with uh, with really very little skeletal direction. Um, but clearly a lot of things going on in front of us that has made it uh, pretty easy to be able to uh, to move forward freely through the show today. Yeah, they, they, they've got the NFL honors on TV right now, and uh, they're kind of playing a little bit of um, a montage from what happened in the DeMar Hamlin situation okay. from the Buffalo Bills and Cincinnati uh, Bengals game. Uh, from back in January and just kind of kind of honoring the first responders and the job done by them, which I think you would agree, Josh, their promptness and ability to handle what they needed to handle in a timely fashion is what ultimately saved that guy's life. And it really is, you know, looking back on it, amazing how much the nation kind of came together over something like that. And I know for, I'll just speak for myself, I'm always going to remember where I was when when that all went down. And I was I was with my, my dad back on the mainland in Oklahoma, and it, it, was, um, it was shocking to say the least. Any of us that have played this great game of football, you can't help but wonder, man, could, could that have happened to me at some point? It was just such a, a crazy thing to go down that, um, yeah, it, it, it was sobering to say the least. You know, it, it's fitting on a show like NFL Honors, and in case you're wondering, uh, that's airing on NFL Network, uh, and I think NBC, I don't think it's live on NBC, I think it's uh, tape delayed tonight on uh, on NBC, I think they'll air it at, at 7 or 8, or 8 o'clock. Um, it's fitting on a show like NFL Honors that hands out a bunch of awards and, and recognizes some of the best of, of this game that 
um, we're recognizing the best of people. We're getting to recognize yeah. the best in our industry of um, those who protect and care for um, you know, those who are uh, you know, who are on the field every week. Uh, they care for them on the field. They care for them off the field. And um, I, I don't, you know, we don't often recognize a lot of those people enough. I think about um, you know, athletic trainers at the high school level. There's yeah. like a, a day. I think it's uh, I don't I don't know what day it is, but there's a National Athletic Trainers Association Day, kind of like you know every, a lot of other um, uh, fields have like a day. You know, there's a a radio DJ day. Um, there is a day for office professionals and secretaries, and and you know there are, there are days for everybody. And sometimes we kind of just gloss over the day yeah. for some of the people that we choose to think maybe are they're not as important. Um, this is one of those opportunities today that you have an opportunity to to recognize those who are in, incredibly important and 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 showed that in the face of a tremendous adversity in a moment's notice in that atmosphere, uh, you know, there in that Buffalo Cincinnati game. Uh, so you you kind of knew that was that was gonna have to be showcased in some way. Yeah. Um. And and I'm glad they haven't forgotten to 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 highlight that tonight. Yeah, you, you mentioned that they, some would say, aren't important or aren't maybe given as much screen time. Or That's a as, better way of putting it. Yeah, yeah, or as much widespread uh, recognition. recognition, highlights, uh, focus. But for those of us that have played sports at a high level, they are the magic makers. I, I know, you know, even... Patrick Mahomes earlier this week on our show we played that soundbite from him talking about I'll play as long as my my training staff allows it to go so they are the ones that are with you day in day out sometimes hours every single day helping making sure that your your physical therapy is going the, the way that it needs to go they are communicating with doctors and then talking with your your coaches sometimes even talking with your your parents filling them in on what's been going on for you and they they are the ones that deserve all the credit for putting a winning team out there on the field and I'm even seeing it right now DeMar Hamlin is up on the stage of NFL honors giving giving thanks and honor to the men and women that had a hand in saving his life this is pretty powerful man cuz it really does it takes a team it's not just the players on the field scoring touchdowns. It's not just the coaches calling those touchdowns. It's the organizations and the people that make that up. And uh, pretty cool to give those guys honor because they absolutely deserve it. I might get myself in trouble for saying this, um, but you know, to those kind of nut jobs who are kind of throwing out this idea that, oh, DeMar Hamlin, there's, he has a, a, a body double. The, the, yeah. he's, he's not truly there. Stop. Ridiculous. Um, yeah, um, the worst of people trying to push around those kind of narratives after that situation. Um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that we can see Demar Hamlin in person. Um, you know, and not just not just the fact that he's he's up there and he's recovered so well, but we forget. And this is – I know we're kind of, you know, opening up an old topic, although it's the first time you and I have discussed it. Mm -hmm. We kind of forget that – we actually learned a lot more about DeMar Hamlin than we ever knew 
through the unfortunate events of what happened that particular night. Totally. Um, and sometimes we, we forget how much the power of sports actually brings us these stories. Like, yeah. before, before that, did you know that he had a charity toy drive? I did not. And, you know, before that, you, because you didn't know that there was a charity toy drive, you probably didn't know that there was kind of a small, uh, it was like a GoFundMe, and there was a small kind of, um, you know, dollar amount on that, and that was just surpassed. Once everybody found out, hey, this guy's a good human being. Yeah. Uh, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's had this charity. He wants to do good work in the community. And once people found out there's this GoFundMe for this charity toy drive, then everybody was rushing to that charity tro- toy drive, individuals, teams, et cetera, and they were donating to that toy drive. Totally. Um, you know, Tomlin. we can find – go Tom, ahead. Sorry, uh, Tomlin, uh, reminiscing on – he's known Hamlin for – years since he was uh, a, a young kid growing up in Pittsburgh and going on and getting an opportunity for University of Pittsburgh and knowing him in the community as the, the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, hearing how good of a, of a kid he was and how much that he hoped and believed in his future and little things like that. It, it's unfortunate that it took a, a tragedy or a, a, an unseen or unforeseeable instance like what happened to him on the field to make us realize that but really really cool in my mind to see the unity that came around something like this and the the support and then yeah it it, just the love josh it was it was powerful that that whole experience yeah um it's our reminder that Sports doesn't have to bring a whole bunch of negatives. Um, mm. It doesn't have to bring a whole bunch of negatives off the field. That um, for every TMZ story that comes out about someone that's not the most flattering, that there are probably five times as many uh, uplifting and positive stories about NFL players that just don't make TMZ or they don't make uh, even goodable uh, on Twitter, if you know that Twitter handle, but you have to like dig and hope that someone unearths it, and sometimes you end up finding it in, in the most unfortunate of circumstances. And um, and this is one of those. It was one of the most unfortunate of circumstances that led to this, you know, to the light at the end of the tunnel. That light being, hey, we now know Demar Hamlin the person. We know mm. the good that he does in the community. We know how much his teammates love him. We know how much um, you know people who may not have coached him but knew of him loved him and uh what a great ambassador for the game that we ended up even though he was young and maybe he's not a star player or whatever what what a what a great ambassador for the game we ultimately learned through different ways that we have and um yeah it's a strange way of of saying um we are better for it and and to another degree um that as we learn about how um how he was treated and we learned about how his life was saved that we were also reminded how the NFL has been better for itself over the last couple of years because of its injury situations and, and, and all of that, that how the NFL's improved, how they have improved what they have on site at every game. Um, we didn't, we didn't know a lot of that up until after that fact totally. and learned Every every NFL stadium's got basically a trauma department on site. Every stadium's got, I mean, sometimes ten to fourteen doctors on site. That I mean, there is almost no stone unturned. And for all that we talk about, whether the league cares about head injuries, they care about you know player safety. 
we're then reminded, some people might say it's PR, I'd say just look right in front of you and see what you saw, you're reminded that, hey, um, you may not have known it beforehand because maybe they didn't promote it, Yeah. Um, but if not for all of that implementation at right. every NFL site, we're talking about a much different story today, most likely. Big time. I, I, I've heard it said many times that if, God forbid, something horrible were to happen, you want it to happen in two places. One, the hospital, or two, an NFL stadium. And you look at how quickly they were able to get on the scene, get him taken care of in the ambulance, and then over to the, uh, I believe it was Cincinnati um, uh, University, Cincinnati yeah. Hospital, how he was nurtured and taken care of that quickly. It really was uh, kind of a miracle of, of forces with, with everybody involved in it. And I should also mention that one of the reasons why they went there, um, the the league and I think the teams, they actually designate um, – you know, medical centers that are approved medical centers, that if something bad were to happen, that it's not like you're blindly sending them to a hospital, that they know they've done their research, they know who works there, they know what they're known for, that you know, that University of Cincinnati Medical Center is an approved medical center to send someone to. And um, that's, again, it's all the stuff behind the scenes that um, that you just don't know about. But like you were saying, they had the medical professionals out there on the stage there at NFL Honors. Damar Hamlin uh, went out and and, uh, and and is giving a speech there at NFL Honors. And um, certainly uh, on, on a night where there's a lot of awards, there's um, you know Hall of Famers being announced tonight, there's uh, Coach of the Year, MVPs coming up a little bit later on, that uh, this certainly may be the, the highlight of the night, not by award or anything like that, but just simply... Uh, just coming from a feel-good moment um, mm. that that the NFL was able to to, to find itself in, uh, given all the issues uh, of Demar Hamlin's injury and what we would learn from it. It is off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Hunter Hughes in studio. Josh Pacheco here at Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center. You can connect with us. Our text line is at 808-296-1420. You can call us at 808-296-1420. Tweet us at AllAroundATH, at Josh on the radio. Uh, we'll connect with you. Uh, coming up in about 15 minutes, we're going to replay uh, Chris Hart and Gary Dickman's interview with uh, uh, Bob Coolen, uh, University of Hawaii softball coach, preparing for the uh, season openers, and I say openers because they play two games tomorrow night. Uh, we'll have the second one right here on ESPN Honolulu, so you'll uh, we'll replay that conversation coming up in about 15 minutes. Uh, I do want to uh, get everybody prepared for Hawaii and UC San Diego um, here at Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center. We'll do that coming up next after we take a look at traffic. Josh Pacheco, Hunter Hughes, off the bench, ESPN Honolulu. Coming up, we're going to replay uh, Chris Hart and Gary Dickman's interview with Bob Coolin in uh, about 15 minutes or so. It is off the bench. Hunter Hughes, Josh Pacheco, ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. I'm here at Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center. We're getting ready for uh, UC San Diego and Hawaii tip-off at 7.05. Um, and and this, is, uh, this is kind of one of those have-to-have games. 
I think is is probably the best way to put it. I think with uh, with Hawaii basketball tonight, you see San Diego is at eight and sixteen overall, three and nine in conference, and they're coming in from what I'm what I'm told, um, they're nine strong. Um, they are a they are not deep. Uh, they played CSU Bakersfield on Saturday, lost in overtime, seventy five sixty nine. Both of those teams, when they played in that game, had only eight guys. Um, mm. It is a reminder, and I don't know if you've ever had this, Hunter, when you've played, like, youth ball and you've had, like, no bench. <laughs> yeah. It's you, – you, you're having to rely on maybe a few key individuals, and I know from a coach's perspective, they're, they're looking at those guys uh, with prayer probably behind <laughs> behind their hearts going, please give me whatever you can give me, man. Yeah. Um yeah, so UC San Diego's got nine. Uh, Vuk Vulkic is their uh, junior guard at six foot five. He had a shoulder injury. He missed Saturday's game. He's expected to be back. Uh, Emmanuel Shimanga has missed the last couple of games. He's out tonight. Um, he's got a. Con- he's coming back from a concussion. Uh, Jerron Brooks uh, has uh, missed a bunch of time with a knee injury. They hope to have him back, uh, but he's here as well, but not expected to play. So, uh, so they've got nine, but Hawaii is as uh, full strength as you're going to be, um, or as it's been for a while without the uh, the usual suspects out, but still a fairly healthy bunch uh, coming in tonight. So uh, tip-off at 7.05. Uh, my interview with Hawaii head coach Aron Gannat, you'll hear at about 6.30, 6.35 tonight. And then uh, uh, Gary Dickman, Jerome DeRosier, before that at 6, we'll have you with Countdown to Tip-Off, presented by the White Kiki Malia by Outrigger. All right, uh, traffic here. We'll do a rewind when we come back. It's off the bench. Off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Hunter Hughes, Josh Pacheco. Uh, we'll close out the program coming up in a little while. Uh, I am going to head uh, downstairs. Uh, I'm going to head over to uh, the courtside area for uh, the remainder of this show. In the meantime, uh, we're getting ready for uh, Rainbow Wahine softball season to get underway uh, starting tomorrow night over at Rainbow Wahine Softball Stadium. Yesterday, Chris Hart and Gary Dickman had a really good interview uh, with Bob Coolen, head coach of the uh, Rainbow Wahine Softball Program. Uh, we'll uh, put you back on the bench for a rewind of uh, that interview with uh, Coach Cool and Chris and Gary right now. Bob Cool and Coach Cool joins us now on ESPN Honolulu. Hi, Coach. Uh, aloha, Chris. How you doing? Doing well. It was nice to see you the other day, and it was nice to see your team at the, uh, the for the Love of the Game event at the Stan Sheriff Center. You know, I saw a couple of the players, your players were just dressed up and looked beautiful. And I was it one of your players that looks like she's really, really, really tall. Yes, that is my six-two freshman Samoan, Kiana Pua, and um, put put on a couple of inches with the heels, and she was about <laughs> six four that night. <laughs> oh, that was! And then I saw somebody else. She was like super buff. I was like in awe. I'm like, oh, these guys are gonna kill it this year. Well, we have uh, the potential to do so, and uh, Millie Fidge is really fit coming out of Australia because of their regiment down there. 
they really work their pitchers. They have a whole regiment. She works under the auspices of Brooke Wilkins. And oh. that is someone, yeah, circle of honor for softball. Um, but I just want to reach out to Coach Hill and thank him very much for inviting us to For the Love of the Game because our players were uh, very excited about dressing up, going over there, meeting uh, the baseball players that, that are right across the street. Most of them knew each other, and as well as just getting recognized before we start our season on Friday. Hey, Bob. That was awesome. That was really awesome. You know, I ran into Coach D. Sorry, Gary, real quick. I ran into Coach D, and uh, she was uh, talking about, and you've mentioned it b- before, I think, and I, I know you've said this uh, a couple of times leading up, but not only do we have uh, Brianna Lopez back, we got a good pitcher, we have a number of good pitchers. Yes, we have. Brianna Lopez is, is pretty much leading the way for us this year, and Kiana is going to get the second start on Friday. And then we have Millie Fidge out of Australia followed by Chloe Borges, a sophomore, and another freshman, Malia Williams. Those five pitchers will be looked at extensively this weekend. And we also have a transfer from New Mexico, McKenna Custigen, and she right now pitched probably her best down ball uh, pitching last night in our last scrimmage. We're basing our starting lineup. Uh, everything is based on all of our scrimmages. We have the analytics. Um And, you know, that money ball thing, you go out there and we're going to have an upperclassman laden infield in our outfield. We settled on most of our returnees for the outfield with one um, caveat being a former baseball player, Mason Gibbs, who's going to be roaming center field for us. Uh, Sarah Bartolotti will be out there in center and right, and then Miley Abathea will be in left. So we have what potentially could be a good lineup, and then our pitching should be our strength. Bob Coolen joining us here on ESPN Honolulu. And uh, it, it sounds like it's it's a June Jones to quarterbacks, Bob Coolen to pitchers. He's got like six in there. Now, if one of these pitchers, you know, doesn't get a lot of playing time, can they play other positions? We have um, a couple of them. Malia Williams is also an outfielder, and she's a slapper, left-hand slapper, hitter. Millie Fidge is also a hitter, uh, but we don't really have another position. She's a a pitcher first baseman down under, and uh, we haven't used her there because we have three first basemans right now that we're working with, with Miley Abathea being the backup for Dallas Millwood at first base. So... Yes, it's going to be a little bit uh, mind-boggling for them if they don't see a lot of playing time on, on the uh, in the circle. But it's something that we've talked about all year, about performances, everything. Analytics is the norm of the game, and you will see playing time based on your performances leading up uh, to Friday from all of our inter-squads and the November tournament we had, the uh, preseason classic. So we have a lot of stats. And now it's just a matter of it's always a different bear when you get into a game with someone wearing a different uniform. I remember Dallas Millwood from high school. Talk a little bit about uh, hitting. What kind of hitting team are we going to have? Well, we have the potential with our three, four, five hitters being long ball hitters. And that would be Maya Nakamura, Dallas Millwood, Haley Johnson. But we also have... uh, 
on either side of them, we have Anna Kelly Inouye, and then on the other side, we have Isabella Martinez. Those two are spray hitters, gap hitters, potential to hit the ball out, one from the right side, Anna, and one from the left side, uh, Bella. And then we have Shao in the mix, and we're not sure what we're going to do with our transfer um, from the portal uh, from Oregon State, but she's right now could be one, could be two, um, could be seven, could be nine, because she hits last slaps, drops the ball well, good bunter, and she hits the power. So we have the potential, and now it's a matter of who's going to lead the uh, parade, and it's all about, and I always go back to Kelly Majum, it's all about setting the table and picking each other up in the lineup. Bob Coolin with the Animals. Uh, their season starts on Friday uh, at the Paradise Classic. And we will have the second game of that double header with Josh Pacheco on the call. Brianna Lopez has started, you mentioned, against St. Mary's. Bob, you were talking about analytics, and I saw one analytical stat that I think is pretty incredible. Your team last year led all of the NCAA schools in double plays per game. Amazing. It was something <laughs> my wife was following that stat all year long, and she kept saying, oh, you're one, you're two, you're one, you're two. <laughs> and then at the end of the year and over the summer, I got called down to Dave Matlin's office, and he was sent the plaque with a congratulatory note saying that the University of Hawaii softball team set uh, the average for most double plays in a season for the number of games we played. And I attribute that to the people playing the infield. Kanek, Kelly Inouye, we had Navai Kalpe at short. We had Maya Nakamura, mm. Dallas Millwood. And they would always be looking, let's get out of this inning. We got people on, let's just, let's just turn a double play. And everyone bought into that we were getting lead runners and something we work on extensively don't settle for the just the one out let's try to get two let's use your arms use your knowledge and let's go for two and last year it it really worked out and that's a great stat you know back in 2010 we hit the most home runs and had the best average for hitting home runs in the number of games we played and it was just an honor for our defense to get that award and that plaque, which is sitting in my office. Cool. Well, here's a cool number regarding you. 1,122 wins we know about. You are number fifth. You are fifth in active coaches in the country with total wins in your 32nd year. So my question is, how many more wins till you get to be number four amongst active coaches? I have no idea. It's, okay. it's like if. If all these coaches keep dropping out, like Mike Cambrayer out of Arizona, and then you have the retirement of um, the the woman from Michigan, and, you know, if they keep going by the wayside and retiring because we're all getting up there in years and we're all getting up there in enjoyment of post-coaching careers, and most of us have done it for many, many, many years. And this past summer, there were a lot of attrition in our ranks from a lot of older coaches that had been in their job for 25 to 30-plus years. And it's just something that you just need to refocus and, and reevaluate your life. And with, with myself and my wife becoming new grandparents in June, it's, it's, yep, yep, it's just something that um, – we want to spend a lot of time, and my son and my daughter-in-law are out in Indiana, and it, it's just a matter of 
where do we go from here? We're, we're entering a whole new phase of our lives, and um, my wife and I have discussed a lot of different scenarios, and um, it's just something we're, we're entering a new path, and, and we're really excited about it. Are you in, so you're, you're, your kids are both gone? Yes, my daughter lives out in New York, and my oh, wow. son lives in Indiana. Um, came over to the bright side and started coaching softball last year with his wife. Oh, wow. He had, a, had a tremendous year at Grace College and at uh-huh. NAIA school in Warsaw, Indiana, and this is their second year battling the, the single digit in snow out there, and they uh-huh. open up next week. So um, it's exciting. It's an exciting time, and they, they did a great job recruiting um, I went out there in September and, and uh, had a chance to be with his team for a week while he was practicing, and it was just a, a great moment for me to meet his AD and, and meet the supporters of his program, which are just incredible. And it's you know that's where Charlie Wade went to elementary school, and mm-hmm. his elementary school is right on Grace College's campus, which is wow. ironic. So it, it was just uh, you know. He brought me into his office, and he goes, oh, just take a picture. And, and uh, so I took a picture and sent it back and, to him and everything. So that was did pretty you, neat. Did you, would you be able to have them come play in Hawaii? They're contemplating my fall tournaments. They are Ooh. definitely ran it by their AD. Their AD is seeking approval because they are allowed one trip in four years that is outside the auspices of a certain radius where they, oh. they they pretty much travel by bus everywhere. Uh-huh. They open in Florida, and they'll bus ride down to Florida from, from Indiana. So wow. it's extensive for them, and they, they do a lot of bus rides, and usually overnighters. They're, they're not stay overnight. It's usually overnighters wherever they play. So he has run it by his AD. His AD is bringing it to the board, and they're seeing if they can swing it. And he would come out here next year. Um, wow! With grandchild in tow, and uh-huh. uh, <laughs> and uh, they would be in our paradise uh, preseason classic uh, you know, in, in November. That'd be cool. Like one day they're like, okay, you know, in the you know future years in the future from now, they say, okay, Bob Coolin's retiring, and Bo Coolin is the new head coach, University of Hawaii <laughs> yeah. softball. That uh-huh. is something that everyone asks him you know what are you gonna uh, do when your dad retires are you gonna put in for it and he gives me that sly look and uh <laughs> believe it or not he doesn't like to travel in the air he does not like a lot of flights and he's, he's not and so where he is right now in the bus rides mm-hmm. um he's really into but when he was at ohio state they had to fly and and um they drove to a lot of games because there's a lot of competition in ohio so you know, it's just a matter of will he be willing to put in his name? I believe so. Right on. Well, you know what? It's great catching up, Coach, and uh, we'll see you out there. Paradise Classic coming up Friday. Uh, it's University of Hawaii, also Utah Tech. That used to be called Dixie State. And St. Mary's in town for that. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, Bob. Yes, aloha. Thank you for having me on. All right, that was Bob Coolin uh, yesterday with Chris Hart and Gary Dickman. We'll 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 call that a, an on the bench uh, rewind uh, here on off the bench on ESPN Honolulu at ninety two point seven FM 
and 14.20 a.m. Hunter, by the way, um, I, I was in Bob Coolin's office today. I meant, I don't know if we... I don't know if we talked about this on the air yesterday um, with uh, uh, Brian Lopez, uh, who will start game one tomorrow. I should also, I should mm. correct that. Uh, she's starting game one, not game two. There was kind of a, a, a communication error, I guess, in how that came about. But she'll start the opener. She sounded like a game one starter. Oh, and, and she doesn't just sound like a game one starter. She is a game one starter there you uh, go. By, uh, by talent level. But anyway, um, I, I meant to ask Coach Coolin. If we could set something up where you're trying to take swings against uh, Brianna Lopez's rise ball, I did not get to that point yet. Uh, if Coach Coolin's listening, because I know he listens to this radio station, maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe can we make it happen. But uh, I, I didn't get a chance. I was I was in all business mode. I didn't get a chance to, uh, to throw that out there. That's all good. Uh, I'm hoping that's a conversation that we can at least have. That's a... Literally a dream come true for me to uh, stand in the box against a D1 softball player and see just how fast that fast pitch can go. All right, uh, coming up, we'll close out the program. Who has just been named the MVP of the National Football League? That and more coming up off the bench. It's ESPN Honolulu. Right now, a look at traffic. All right, closing out off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, I have matriculated my way courtside, uh, where both Hawaii and UC San Diego are uh, warming up for their game tonight. Uh, Derek Lowe is sitting next to me. He'll join me for the game broadcast. We'll uh, have our scene set coming up in uh, about 12 minutes or so. Uh, NFL Honors is uh, somewhat wrapping up right now on uh, NFL Network. And a, and a couple of things, uh, Hunter, that we have learned tonight. First off, uh, the MVP. You guys are right. I would have. I would have given the MVP award to Jalen Hurts. It seems like everybody knew better, as they should. Uh, Patrick <laughs> Mahomes named the MVP of the National Football League this year, guys. Yeah, I, I think if Hurts wouldn't have gotten hurt, <laughs> um, uh. I think he would have had a stood a better chance to go after this record. But the Eagles definitely um, ran out of gas towards the end of this season. And uh, it seemed like the Chiefs only kept climbing, and a big reason for that is because of Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, absolutely. Patrick Mahomes had a uh, pretty remarkable year. But then again, we kind of expect it, don't we? Um, other awards uh, announced a moment ago. Dak Prescott named uh, Walter Payton Man of the Year mm -hmm. uh, from the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, we are starting to learn it. And if you guys have seen the entire list, um, let me know. But I, we've seen now the start of the Hall of Fame list that has been put out. And uh, Zach Taylor, the uh, longtime Miami Dolphins linebacker, is going to Canton. Uh, we kind of knew. I mean, we knew we would uh, find out of uh, some of the finalists that would go. But uh, Zach Taylor seemed like a, a slam dunk to, to uh, get the gold jacket and join the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it, it, it really is one of those guys that it, you're exactly right. It's a slam dunk. I think it's Zach Taylor, Zach Thomas. I Zach Thomas, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, from the Miami Dolphins. Uh, the, the other one that we were really excited to see was uh, 
uh, Rondé Barber from the yeah. uh, uh, Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers. And uh, we're kind of, yeah, we're watching right now as Dak Prescott kind of gives his Walter Payton Man of the Year speech right now. It's, um, he's a good guy, Josh. You know, I, I kind of wish that he would have done a little bit better for the Cowboys late in the year, but you can't put aside that he's just a phenomenal individual. Uh, other Hall of Famers has just announced. Uh, we've we met, you mentioned Rondé Barber. Uh, we I mentioned Zach Thomas. Demarcus Ware. Uh, mm -hmm. What a what a defensive stud Demarcus Ware is. Joe Thomas, the uh, the offensive lineman. Darrell Revis. Revis. Uh, Revis Island. Revis Island was uh, was was such a, a long running uh, focal point of any secondary. Darrell Revis gets in. Don Coriel, Joe Klecko, Ken Riley, Chuck Howley. Uh, round out the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2023 as announced uh, just moments ago. So uh, NFL honors kind of coming to a close. This has been really just kind of a, a busy day. The NFL finds a way to uh, uh, stay in the, uh, the limelight even with the two weeks between the championship games and the Super Bowl. And I know we were supposed to even really get to the Super Bowl today never really got to it our uh, our super bowl storyline a day lasted all of how many days hunter one yeah <laughs> it's been in the we'll plans get, we'll get day two tomorrow <laughs> well i hope we can get day two in tomorrow we've got an hour 45 minute and, show tomorrow and it's our last show before super bowl uh, i mean i i feel like i should almost ask you for a prediction now because i might forget tomorrow <laughs> that's 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 how bad our super bowl storyline a day uh, bit has ended up going i'm going chiefs 27 24 I wasn't totally going to ask you for the pick, well, but I'll since give you it. did, that that shows you how much Hunter trusts that we're going to get to the pick tomorrow, that you just blurted it out with the minute left in the show. You have zero trust that I'm going to do it. I just know that we're big fans of off the cuff here on <laughs> off the bench, so I wanted my prediction in there before it's too late. <laughs> I, uh, I, I totally understand. All right. Uh, a uh, busy night coming up, of course, uh, over at uh, Moana Lua. You've got the... Heidi and Cook, Hawaii High School Athletic Association Boys Basketball Division One semifinals, Division Two semifinals, over at Kalani tonight. You've got uh, state soccer quarterfinal action that just wrapped up at the YPO Peninsula Soccer Complex, and then uh, basketball right here at Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center. We'll tip off in a little over an hour of Hawaii and UC San Diego. Great work by our team. Ashlyn Gonzaga has been great with her support role here tonight. Gary Dickman and Jerome DeRosier is going to talk to you in about five and a half minutes for Countdown to Tip-Off, presented by the Waikiki Malia by Outrigger. Hunter, I'll talk to you tomorrow in studio. Bless you, my friend. Have a great night. Hunter Hughes, Josh Pacheco. This has been Off the Bench, ESPN Honolulu.